Young Maxwell. Yes. When you have a reunion, someone comes to visit you from another country and you need a good meal, mm. a nice glass of wine, perhaps mm. half off during happy hour, mm. maybe a nice patio. Mm. There's only one choice since you don't know where to go. I'm going to tell you. Please. It's the handlebar. I love the handlebar. You do? The one thing you didn't mention is their seven day a week happy hour from two to six where you get a dollar off all of their, all and any of their 28 draft beers. Please don't try all of them. Well, 28 I, pints is too much. Well, you can try, but they also do samplers, which I think True. is pretty great. So you don't get a dollar off those though. You probably don't. You're right. But yeah. still <laughs> a great selection. Nonetheless, um, for example, I know for a fact when I go there, Trumer is going to be on draft. Mm -hmm. There's a few staples. You can always get a very particular beer, but they also have an incredible rotating lineup. Pretty much something for any and every beer drinker, I would say. That's it. If you've never been, they're located at 2070 East 20th Street on the south end of town, kind of by Winco, kind of by Best Buy. You should definitely check them out if you haven't. And if you have, I don't need to be, be telling you this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Go support The Handlebar, a wonderful local business. And uh, here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. That is right, sexy voice from years and years ago that's been modulated beyond recognition. This is Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a podcast about the world of beer and movies, and I'm Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. This week on our show, our review of Past Lives. It's the debut film from writer-director Celine Song about two childhood friends reunited after 24 years. The film's made waves in most of the circles that I follow since its premiere at Sundance back in January and just became available on video on demand last week. Johnny and I caught up with it, and we have plenty of thoughts, but for now, he's going to tell you what we're drinking this week. We're going to be doing two beers from Solid Ground Brewing out of Diamond Springs, California. Beer number one is called Makalu. It's a hazy IPA that's 6.8%. Beer number two is called Darvaza. It's an imperial IPA that is 9.1%. To find our podcast episode going all the way... Wait, well, nope. All mm -hmm. the episodes. To find the episode... Sure. And more episodes. Yeah. You're just going to go to uh, Fresh Shop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and any other major podcast platform. If you find one that we're not on, you should let us know. That'd be great. And actually, I'll decide yeah. if it's major or not. Deal. Uh, if you like the show, take five <laughs> seconds. And it's not. <laughs> and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, a major platform. And be sure to let us know you did. Text us to brag or with feedback about the show at 530-433-0839. Again, the number for the show is 530-433-0839. Save that in your phone yep. and bug us all the time. To hang out with us on social media, you're going to search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to the website, freshhopcinema.com. It's weird reading off paper today. It is. It's kind of like I feel... But like I feel more professional. I feel like somehow. Ron Burgundy. Like I keep slamming him on the counter. Like, yeah, like <laughs> all right. Or like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's nice. It's been like, I mean, I know we've done it once or twice in the past couple of years, but most of the time we're on our computers. It was very serendipitous. They this printed is good. Them out the day that I forgot my computer too. I know. Um, to hear us go off the rails like that on little tangents more often, you can join us on Patreon. We record bonus episodes sometimes. Uh, we just reviewed a hard seltzer from from Sonic the fast food chain. Yeah. Um, they attempted to emulate one of their Apparently, like signature drinks called uh, ocean water, mm -hmm. which we've never had, but um, we sure as hell tried the hard seltzer. Yep. Um, I don't know if you can hear the condescension in my voice, but if you can't, you'll have to listen to the episode on Patreon to find out what we thought. 
Um, which is all to say you can join Patreon by going to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. And for as little as a dollar per episode, you can help keep our show from going off the rails too much. Um, and more importantly, staying on the air. We also have um, monthly bar hangs. We have other events that happen throughout the year. We have movie nights sometimes, though it's been a while. Um, and we give you birthday shout outs when it's your birthday. And I don't think we have any this week. Am I right about that? According to the notes, you we are. don't have our computers in front of us, so I hope I'm so sorry if we missed one. Um, but I think that's pretty much all we have to talk about um, in terms of Patreon. Unless is there anything I'm missing? I think I don't we're about think to. So. Okay, then Johnny's going to open up beer number one, which is called, like you said, dude, Makalu. It's a hazy IPA. Uh, it's six point three percent. Like you said, it's from Solid Ground Brewing, and their description from Untapped says this: This hazy IPA features Strata, Waimea, and Haller Two Blanc hops, creating a fruity and complex beer. Notes of orange creamsicle, pineapple, nectarine, and tropical fruits on the nose and palate. It has a rich body and finishes dry. So as we're pouring out of the can, would you describe what this can looks like? Because that's what caught my eye. Uh, it is all silver, like shades of gray and white, kind of a crystalline um, scatterburst yeah, of, of patterns, like a fractal type What's thing? that movie where there's like a crystal palace? Is it called Crystal Palace? What am I thinking of? You know, where like... What's Superman? No, ooh, that would work. Or like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Krypton. It's not called the Secret of Nim, but there's the Secret like Crystal, the the Dark Crystal, Dark Crystal, it's called the Dark Crystal. Yep. That's what I'm thinking of. Jim Henson. Does that remind you at all of that, or no? Am I just seeing crystals and I'm like, oh, the Dark Crystal? Yeah, I think that word association. Yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. But yeah, it's um, it's all white, like shades of white, not much color. Uh, Makalu is in it's like a, a gray, mm-hmm. the top three quarters to half of the can. I have that fractal logo and the rest is just yep. kind of whited out with the brewery logo. It's a pretty sexy can. Yeah. We're going to get into the beer here. Um, in fact, let's give our initial impressions. And then I have some information. Like the brewery is really good about naming their beers odd words okay. that maybe not everybody knows, but bet your bottom dollar, I know what those words mean now. Yeah. So we'll give a little initial beer review and then I'll get into what um, Makalu means. But And- as with any beer review, it starts with where'd you get it. Sure. And there, there is a little bit of an asterisk this week, and I want to get that out <laughs> well, of the way. I think that's fair. I mean, right now. Do it in a rude way. But um, yeah, so we got these at Spikes. Um, a long time stand up, great supplier of craft beer to the Chico area. Mm-hmm. Small business, great things, great things for the beer community. For a couple weeks, it seems as though, and I didn't know this until today when I was there and out of time and had to buy a beer for the show, um, their refrigeration section, their compressor has gone out. So the refrigeration where the beer should be is not by any means warm. I, I On the same token, it's not by any means cold. It's completely slightly below room temp. And I think that's worth noting. We've never had this brewery on the show. So the first line of defense, I think, when it comes to a brewery's reputation will be like, well, what happened to the beer along the way? Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, there there may be justification for that depending on how old this beer is, which I actually don't know because it's not on the can. That comes back to being on the brewery. Yep. So who knows? Um, it's also to its um, – Max brought us a couple wild cards today. I really did, man. I was feeling a little crazy. Um, this is also a style you don't always love. But when you don't love a beer like this, you are at least most of the time fair in saying – it's well-made, I just don't like it, if it's well-made. If not, you obviously have no problem saying it's bad. And you've made a, a face that says you just love it, unless I somehow misinterpreted that. Though the shivers? <laughs> like, just, like, a, you know, like an ecstasy shake. No, what, um, that was a sadness shake. Okay, what were you tasting? Uh, well, immediately, it's, it's musty. It tastes like a damp cellar. No, it does not. Yeah, it does. I mean, it is a little musty, but I don't know about damp cellar. You, you, was it a hateful shake you just did? Yeah. No, really? this tastes gross. 
I will say on my first taste, what I'm getting is a bit of astringency on the back burner after I swallow it. Um, the rest of it's fairly understated. It's very sweet. It's a little musty, um, pretty carbonated for what I'd be looking for in a 6.3% West Coast or a hazy IPA. Excuse mm-hmm. me, I don't know why I said that. I don't dislike it. Um, why don't you have one more sip? Let it marinate, and I'll tell you a little bit about this. All right. All right. Um, maybe somebody knows this. I didn't know what Makalu meant, um, and turns out it's a mountain. It sits in the Himalayas about 14 miles east of Mount Everest. Um, Johnny, if I had asked you what the tallest mountain in the world was, what would you say? Uh, Everest. Yeah. Most people know that. Yeah. Um, some people apparently know that K2 is the second tallest mountain. I think, uh, I've I heard K2. There was a movie. Oh, really? Yeah, called K2. Well, what this would have been a great pair-up for this episode. Um, anyways, Makalu is also a mountain. It's on. It's kind of on the border of China and Nepal. Um, it also, by the way, gets its name from the Hindu god Mahakala, which is like the highest, um, I don't know if it's evolution, but it's like the highest form of uh, Shiva, mm. the destroyer. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I also think it literally translates to like big black or something. Nice. Um, anyways, there's only 14 mountains on earth taller than 8,000 meters. Um, Everest being the tallest and Makalu is, is 8,485 meters. That's 27.7 thousand feet tall, making it the fifth tallest mountain on earth. That's what this is named after. Um, so yeah, it's Everest K2, um, Kang Chenjunga and Lhotse. And then this, um, it's also like this notoriously difficult mountain to climb. Uh, it's like this, this very particular pyramid shape with four sides and each face has got its own difficulties or whatever. The West face is the most challenging. I've turned this into a slight history lesson, but I figure, you know, we're learning today. Yeah. Anyways, people have been attempting to climb it since the mid fifties. Um, no one actually did that, um, successfully until the next year, but it wasn't until 1997 that people were able to do the West face of it. Oh, wow. something about it. Um, that had people trying for forever. Um, so shout out to Sergei Efimov and his team of Russians. Um, and then after that, it wouldn't be another 12 years until anyone successfully climbed the mountain in wintertime. Like when you picture an Everest climb, it's like blizzardy and snowy, right? Yeah. And maybe it still is at that elevation, but nobody could even climb this mountain in the winter Dang. until 2009. Um, and those are a pair of Italian climbers. And then to date, there've only been about 500 people to successfully summit the mountain on, on all sides included 500. Whoa. Which sounds like a lot. I like, you know, no, it doesn't compared to Mount. How many people do you think have successfully climbed Mount Everest? So many. It's, I would say it's not as many as you probably think, but it's still a lot. You want to take a guess? It's in the thousands. It is in the thousands. It's over 5,000. It is. It's under seven. It is. Wow. You're good at this game. Uh, mid sixes? Yes. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. Oh my God. And I think you, you, this isn't on the, is copy. this on the notes? It's not on your notes. Okay, cool. No, it's I on my notes. Say, I, my notes. I haven't read this. Um, 6,400. 6,300, idiot. Oof. Yeah. No, you're really good. That's wow. really cool. Um, anyways, that gives you some idea just how treacherous uh, Makalu is. I wonder how many bodies are on Makalu. There have been 22 deaths. But they're all still up there. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, Everest. I learned about that. Oh, dude. You just leave them up there? I know. Well, what are you going to do? You like, just climb over them? Yeah. I mean, push them. Like, slide it down the mountain. Well, I'm sure that's what happened, but you're not going to slide it all the way down the mountain. Like, I mean, you got to go back down. Help a brother that's out. That's true, yeah. Like, There's all these stories of people like... Because, like, they'll get halfway up, and then one guy's like, I can't go any farther because they'll get, like, you know, like, um, altitude sickness or mm-hmm. any or frostbite. And then they'll be like, please come get me on the way back. But then those people die while their friends are climbing the mountain. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I actually thought 22 people dying was low for this. For as, like, for, few people you know, that have done it? Yeah, I don't know. It I wonder how seems... many deaths there's been on Everest. I know. I was, As I was starting today, as we were getting, I was like, I should have gotten that number. And I just didn't. Um 
Anyways, that's a little bit about the Mountain Makalu. Back to the beer. Mm-hmm. I, I like this beer. I think it's good. Like it's above average for me. I dig it. Hmm. Um, where are you at? And have you taken a second sip? Yes, okay. and a third. Any any new insights? It's super underwhelming. Mm. Uh, I think it just tastes muddled, musty, a little dank, not in a good way. Uh, dank like a cellar. Okay, yeah, soggy, wet, damp. Yeah, I got you. Rather than hoppy, resinous, piney. Yeah, no. I think it's very understated. I agree with you there. I don't think that's a negative necessarily. I think sometimes, um, and you think this as well, hazy IPAs skew way too sweet. Mm-hmm. This isn't too sweet. No, I'll give it that. Yeah, forget whatever else it has not going for it. It doesn't become overly sweet, and mm-hmm. I could have seen that happening. It's very understated. That's putting a positive spin on, I think, what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say there's any objective bad notes here. I don't I don't taste any off flavors. I don't taste anything that could have gone wrong in the storage or, or, or delivery and then storage of it. I'm not convinced that there's that. That's fair. Um, I am. I like it. I'm convinced you don't like it. Yeah. And I think that's okay, but I'd, I'm not near at least what I've tasted to think that it's a bad beer or is um, been poorly handled. No, I don't think it's it's bad or defective or, right. or, or, or um, tainted by no. temperature or anything. No, it's just the flavor profile. I get just a ton of like old muddled fruit. Do you ever make like a muddled cocktail? Yeah. And then like leave that glass with the muddled fruit out like overnight? Yeah. And then smell it the next day? Sure, I could see that. That's, That's a very what specific example. Like. But yeah, there's 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 room for praise of specificity when it comes to, I think particularly hazy IPAs, because it is so easy for some to get lost in the in the haze cloud of sweetness and, and mustiness sometimes, especially when you get into stuff like like tropical tasting stuff, like mango notes and that, like it gets very musty very quickly. So I think you get bonus points from me if you have a sharp edge of flavor that jumps out, but I don't necessarily dock points for the kind of um, palate ambiguity that this one is is sending out to me. And I think you might, and I think that's probably fair. Yeah. Personally, it doesn't bother me. It's not the worst AZ I've ever had. That's no, for sure. No, far and away, not the worst. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to take one more drink and then I think I'm probably ready to rate it. Do it. For me... This feels like a like a six two all day. Yeah, that's higher than I thought you were going to go. Well, by quite a bit. it's not a bad beer. I just don't like the style, so I try to judge it objectively. If I go on personal preference, it's a two point one. Sure, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but like as a beer, as a hazy IPA, as a consumer of of many many things, it's above a five. It's above middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Like it's decently well made. Um, it's not as bright. As I would want no, it to be, not I, at you all. know, you have some of like the really good West Co- or hazy, like East Coast yeah, IPAs. Right. They have that like piney brightness mixed with that like fresh juice feeling. It's a good. I mean, that's a that's a match made in heaven when that yeah. happens. For me, this this beer just isn't striking me as as something that's very vi- bright or vibrant no. or like refreshing. And you know, those are maybe characteristics of more of a new school hazy IPA approach. Or just like a some of the ones that we get, you know, we're spoiled. Yeah. Yep. Um, so in the Pantheon, uh, it's a it's a six one. Yeah, for me it's a seven. Now, I thought it would be quite a bit more of a gap between us, a crater, if you will, a gate to hell, if you will. That's a reference to what's coming up, by the way, because I don't think you know that yet. No, um, I didn't want you to think I was crazy just saying gates to hell for no reason. <laughs> hey, I respect it. <laughs> no, you do. You're gonna love the second beer. Um, yeah, like it's good. It's um, yeah, it's not coming into parties, kicking down the doors, and screaming necessarily. Uh, but I think, you know, mileage will vary for different people. So if you get the chance to try Makalu and, and you think you lean towards me more, more towards Johnny, or you think we're both wildly wrong, 
let us know. Please get in touch. Um, like Johnny said earlier, you can leave us a voicemail or or text us to 530-433-0839, um, positive or negative. We do love feedback. And again, our number here is 530-433-0839. And hey, if you do like the show, just take two seconds, help us out, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it only takes a couple seconds, and it's one of the most effective ways to help get us in front of new potential listeners. What's next, you ask? It's a trailer for this week's movie, Past Lives. If you haven't seen it, do not worry. There are no spoilers in this next segment, so please don't go anywhere. There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? His arm! Wow, the guy flew 13 hours to be here. I'm not going to tell you that you can't see him or something. If two strangers walk by each other in the street and their clothes accidentally brush, that means there have been 8,000 layers of inyan between them. Want you to stay. just heard was a trailer for past lives nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends are rest apart after nora's family emigrates from south korea two decades later they are reunited in new york for one fateful week as they confront notions of destiny love and the choices that make a life in this heart-rending modern romance Right. This is writer-director Celine Song in her debut film. It stars Greta Lee as Nora, T.O.U. as Sung, and John Magaro as Arthur, um, Nora's husband that was in the trailer. I feel okay saying that. Um, it came to Sundance in January of 2023, had a very small theatrical run in June. I wonder if it made it to the pageant. Do you remember? I think it might have. Just for like a week. my radar for so long that I'm not sure like where it has and hasn't been. That's um, dope. I'm glad it's on your radar because I suggested it last week. I wasn't sure if you were going to. Totally, man. Yeah. Um, and then um, regardless of where it had been before, it's on video on demand for everybody to purchase um, as of August 22nd. It runs an hour and 45 minutes. 
Um, so let's get into it, dude. Um, yeah, you you brought it up last week. You were like, it's on been on my radar. I want to mm-hmm. see it. Um, tell me more. What was your what were your thoughts going in? What did you experience with the movie? Uh, well, fair to say this is uh, an A twenty four produced. Oh film. yeah, nice. That's, I didn't say that's that. a, a good preface for us. I think they picked it up after the Chicago Film Festival okay. for distribute. Oh, it might have been before. I can't remember. But so, it was so anytime something. they put a stamp on something, it, it perks my ears. It's up. a good. It's like a fairly safe uh, barometer. Like, all right, like there's going to be something. Um, I don't want to say interesting. That's so vague. Rewarding, rewarding, like, non-traditional sort of. Yeah, you're going to get something out of uh, this movie of an unusual sensibility, perhaps. Yeah, they're really good at not putting their name on movies that don't have ideas and like. Good writing. Like it wasn't – the A24 wasn't going to pick up Heart of Stone. No. For as fun as it was, never. Never. Okay. Exactly. So I kind of had that expectation. Just it's it's an A24 romance movie, which to my recollection – hello. Uh There haven't been that many. Oh, I'm sure that's not true. Well, name three. Uh, Was Bones and All A24? I didn't see it actually and that also just came to Netflix – or Prime. But – I. It was the Luca Guadagnino. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, Taylor Russell, Cannibals. Oh, the one that I didn't like. The one you didn't like. Yeah. Was that A24? Do you remember? Yes. Okay. There's one. Um, Lady Bird is another. Okay. Um, eighth Grade. No, that's not really romance. Uh, neither Lady Bird is more of a coming of age. There's romance, but I'll, you're right. The, the the overarching theme is not about a romance. Maybe call, call me by your name. Call Me By Your Name for sure, but also a coming of age movie. Mm-hmm. That's the cool thing about A24 is even a lot of these movies that by another director could have been a straightforward X, Y, or Z. They don't do that way. Yeah. We're going to make it multi-layered and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep going. Not many, but just kind of more straightforward romance films. That's probably true. Right? So you kind of had, I had this expectation of some some good drama. I was mm-hmm. hoping for some good writing, some good good acting, because that's what makes a romance film engaging and gives you empathy mm-hmm. is the performance, the performance in the, the writing. The characters, yeah. the connection. So, man, this movie was, like, devastating in its subtlety mm. and just its attention to the nuance and the small details of human interaction. There was a lot going on without a lot going on. We're talking about subtext. That's the, I think that's yeah. the word for that. Is, yeah. Yes. The subtext of this and the tension and the, the unrequited love and all of the things that are presented in this movie, sometimes with just a look were fantastically uh-huh. presented and so well acted. Um, the, sh- the set pieces were amazing. Like this movie like could have – you could say it's a love letter to New York too in a way. That well, it was just – yeah, it was so beautifully shot. Uh, I love the cinematography. I really enjoyed the sparing use of score. There was a lot of silence in this movie. Christopher Bear, Daniel Ross- Rosen. Yeah. Um, I wrote their names down because I loved the score. Oh, so good. Dude – Keep going. It was so good. And I really enjoyed the story, the writing in this. I didn't look it up. I just watched this last night, mm-hmm. but I was hoping to God that the director wrote this. Yeah, right? Because, oof, you're bringing that kind of heat? Yeah. You're bringing that kind of heat? And your first feature film? Come on. Dude, get Come out on. of here. So I absolutely loved it. I thought it was touching. It was identifiable. It put you in so many different sets of shoes in a way that felt not forced. And I think that is a difficult thing to achieve. For sure. To make you empathize with every single main character. I mean, there's only three, but still to deeply- But I like that distinction right? that you just made. To deeply and seriously 
identify and have empathy for the three main characters that have vastly differing perspectives on this situation, I think is an absolute magnanimous feat of filmmaking. Um, It was so engaging. I was so invested. I cried. I loved it. I don't know why but I tried to hold it together, but I did. Um, but for sure. Since like, when are you the tough guy? I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with me last night. Um, give me an out of 10, then I'll give you some thoughts of my own. It's 10. Yeah, of course it is. Great movie. I could not. I was thinking of reasons to not, and I don't want to make that argument, so I'm not going there's, to. There's not, there's not really an argument. I mean, like, okay, I loved it. Um, there's, It's so subtle. I loved the score as well. I, I I said to my partner last night, "There's because I don't think she'd ever seen a movie called Columbus. Do you remember? Colu- Did that's, you even see Columbus? That's why you didn't cry. Because she was well, maybe trying to be a tough guy. Squeeze between her and Rob, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna watch the movie. I'm not gonna react. I don't want to be like I don't want to be an emotional like I didn't want to be an emotional beacon for how they should feel like they should be reacting. And then mm. I looked over and like she was like tearing up, and I, I didn't see him. But yeah, Shalina knows when we're reviewing movies for the mm. show. Bets are off. Dude, I have a hard time crying in front of people too. Yeah. Like in movies. I don't know what that's about. I wish I didn't have that. Mm. But um, whatever. All that to say, after the movie, she and I were talking about it quite a bit. And I mentioned the movie Columbus, specifically the soundtrack. And I, it's a movie that came out, I want to say like 2014. You loved this movie. I love Columbus. I still um, haven't seen it. I'm going to tell you the director's name. It's um, the, it's, it's, it's Koganada. I can see the poster. It's gorgeous. It's got like the cool shapes and there's grass. It's great. It's, yeah. a, it's a movie that focuses a lot on the architecture in a little city um, called Columbus, um, Indiana. Whatever. The soundtrack is by, um, oh man, I'm just like flipping through the files in my brain. Ha. It starts with an H. Whatever, it's this very sort of synthy, textural kind of ethereal soundtrack. And ever since I saw that movie a couple years ago, I listen to that soundtrack sometimes before bed. Um, if I'm like stretching in the morning, if I'm in a sauna or a steam room, I'll put that on. It's the most meditative, beautiful score ever. And this evo- hammock, hammock, that's right, thanks. Um, and this had a very similar vibe, and not just the score, but the, the movie itself was so gentle and unassuming and quiet and contemplative. Like there's just not space for that. It seems in a lot of modern movies, or maybe there's not the appetite for it in mainstream cinema goers. I don't know. Um, but it really rubs me the wrong way. And I (laughs) forgive this turn of phrase. I've rubbed myself the wrong way when I forget that I love this kind of thing. Cause like we, we spoke pretty highly of heart of stone last week. Like it's whatever, it's a predictable kind of brainless action movie. But I haven't seen a movie like Past Lives, I don't think, I mean, easily in six months. Uh, probably the last movie that took this much care was Drive My Car. Ooh, great, great example. Totally. Um, yeah, it's a really good, that's a really good call. Yeah, just the way it was so attentive to the the, mm-hmm. the dialogue and it was all written with such intention yeah. and acted so well. Yeah, so, like I just, I also think the characters are so perfectly written as well. Like you don't get the same response from characters if these are like lawyers. Yeah, like, these have to be like artistic kind of free spirits. With with um, Hei Sung being kind of the only exception, he's sort of a character that struggles with his um, sort of Korean template of an identity. He has to do certain things to consider himself successful. And Nora, on the other hand, left Korea and kind of found her own identity as an artist and a writer. And um, marries Arthur, who is also a writer. Um, and the dynamics of the three of their relationship is very sort of forward thinking and um, mature, I think, in a lot of ways. And it's a movie that could have taken some pot shots with drama or cattiness or fighting. And this is also the conversation I was having last night is that 
you know, if this were produced by any number of other studios or directors or had the oversight of a thousand people committed to making money on this, like the movie wouldn't end the way it ends. It would turn into arguments or yelling or more drama. And it's just so clearly not interested in that. And that's so refreshing and also so emotionally more complex as a viewer to, to be able to have, or not even to both be able to, and have to sit with those emotions when the credits roll. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's soul food in a, in a, in a, cinematic diet of trash. Mm-hmm. And I love when these films come along. I was so, I was so happy, man. Right. Um, it's a 10 for me as well. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, I'm going to watch it again. We both incidentally bought it. You <laughs> bought it on the podcast, um, shared account on Voodoo, but I didn't yeah. want to interrupt your viewing experience. So I purchased it separately cause that was the only option. Um, I'm going to watch it again. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about it. It's incredible. The performances are so good. John Magaro as Arthur from first cow has, like should narrate everything, every nature documentary, every bedtime story. He's got the most soothing, just, just man, what a guy, what a performance here too. Easy. He'll be creeping up on my man, David Attenborough. David Attenborough's had his time in the spotlight. He can, it's a, there's a, Magaro's coming in, baby. Move aside. (laughs) (laughs) No, but everybody's good. I, it's great. I love this movie so much. I, you hit on something that was one of the first things I said after the viewing, after, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, what were your initial thoughts? Like, what do you think? Who'd you say this to? Uh, Shalina. She watched it with you. Yeah. Okay. I didn't say, what are your initial thoughts? Because (laughs) that's, she's like, where's my microphone? Yeah. 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 She's like, what are we recording? Right. Get out of here. I'm your wife. Um, No, I asked, you know, what'd you think? And she's like, I'm going to need a minute. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to think. Mm. I'm like, right. But how how great was it that it never degraded into fighting? You yeah. Know, that they actually had written out intelligent, reasonably posed opposing viewpoints or even maybe not even opposing. No, but, but like think, I, having feelings and thoughts that could cause friction and have them communicated in a healthy way. In a movie. We're thinking of the same scene, mm-hmm. but can we set up the scene for people that haven't seen it just to give some context? Yeah. So there's a scene. It starts while Nora is brushing her teeth, putting lotion on. and um, Like very mundane daily stuff. Yeah. And she and her husband are getting ready for bed. Yeah. And he is kind of asking questions about this guy and, it, you know, the, the natural question. Like, well, is he attractive? Because they've so because he's just come to America for, yeah. for the first time ever, basically to see her, mm-hmm. and they've just seen each other for the first time since being kids. Spent the day together, correct? And yeah. now he's asking follow ups, like how yeah. was the day? Kind of because we we all know this is weird for him, and we all see him struggling to not be that guy. Yeah, you know, and it's this internal struggle for him that I thought was so just refreshing to see on screen sure. of like somebody actually just trying to be a good guy and be understanding and take. The, the higher road and not be douchey, yeah. right? So he's asking these these questions, you know, is he attractive? Uh, yeah. Do you like think putting he's attractive? The feelers. Yeah, like, like, c- c- she's not skirting his questions, but he's n- she's not falling into the traps that he's very poorly laying. Yeah. Like he goes, I- is he attractive? And she goes, I think, you know, like, I'm not, I don't know. I think people would consider him attractive. He's got a very Korean masculinity. And then after beating around the bush, she's like, do you find him attractive? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. Yeah. Which is also so refreshing because it is like this honesty. Mm-hmm. And instead of taking the conventional, maybe Americanized or or like reality TV turn and turning that into a fight, he just listens to her. Yeah. Great. It's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's weird that that's a, a commodity. Mm-hmm. Not a commodity, but a, you know, a rare happening. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it was all him trying to convey his insecurities in a way that wasn't negative. You know, it was it was him trying to have that conversation without yeah. starting a fight, you know, because, sure. you know, that that segued into them being in bed. And he's just you know, the scene where he's just sitting there awake. Yeah. 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 It's so good. Uh, you know, what, and, what's the laugh line that he says? What's like the one funny thing that he says there? I swear there's one. We just mentioned it before. We, or you mentioned it to me before we started. Uh, man, oh, it'll come to us eventually. Yeah. Um, I also love. She had a funny laugh line though. What was hers? Was the because uh, when he's like, "You gonna run away with him?" And she's just like, "Yes." Oh, I'm gonna abandon my entire thing. life. Right. I love well, that. But it's great because it's also like she diffuses that pretty well because it is like, "Are you?" Mm-hmm. Like, is that what you're thinking about? And because to some extent, as the audience, you're like, "That's what's coming next." Like that's what we're prepared for. If you're following the b- blueprint of a very western, yeah. Any this movie, like you said by any other anything. Yeah. You know, that's the way this movie would go. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie shattered all the expectations of what a romance and drama film can be. Yes. And I think it was just so good on its own that like the fact that it did that is just icing on the cake. Because I bet if they want if she wanted to write them fighting about this, oh, yeah. it would have been better than any other version of that that you've seen. Oh, for sure. Except for maybe like Marriage Story. God, I love Marriage Story. This is yeah. I mean, it's a it's a. <laughs> How do you love that movie? I love it. It's, that is, it's. I've never seen it again. I will n- probably right? never watch it. It's two hours of trauma. I'm never gonna watch it again. It's so. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> um, no, this is a. And and I feel like I'm onto something here. So bear with me. This is a. This is a drama as a genre. It's a drama movie about romance, and we're so used to being fed um, romance movies that are about the drama. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean about the fighting and about the cattiness and about the divorce or about whatever it is. And this is a movie that is is a dramatic movie, but it's all about the romance and the the mature relationships that these three people are kind of, you know, bouncing around in. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, a good example of a movie like that. Of like, of... Of maybe more something that fits in with our expectations, mm-hmm. but that was done really well, mm-hmm. was that black and white movie. Oh, sure. Um, Help me out here. Yeah. I got you. It's the black and white movie with um, Zendaya, 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 and, um, David and John David Washington, yep. and it was called. It was a Netflix release. Yeah, and that movie was a nightmare. It was a decent movie, um, great performances, but but stressful and like just fifth gear the whole time. I can't think of what it's called right now. I can't do for some reason. But I know it had one of the best mac and cheese eating scenes I've ever seen in my life. Hell yeah. That was or, up there. Or cooking scenes. That was up there with the, the pie eating scene from Ghost Story. Oh, no. I mean more f- – no. It's like the preparation of the mac and cheese. Oh, it's the like angrily making. Like, oh, it's so good. Um, that might come to me too. Um, but that was a good example of a, a movie one. that was well done, that was tackling more volatile – It was – It was well, it was directed by Sam Levinson who did Euphoria, mm-hmm. which is – Certainly a TV show that knows what it's trying to do, but I think one of the most intriguing things about the conversation around Euphoria is whether or not what it's trying to do is something we should be in favor of. And I'm not sure, but it, there's there's no debating that that show, you know, finds its legs underneath the incredibly traumatic, dramatic, traumatic, dramatic momentum that its characters generate. Mm-hmm. And the same is true in that movie that I still can't think of. Um, and there's just no interest in that here. They just don't yeah. care. Yeah. Sling Song is not concerned with that type of 
popcorn bitchy entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it's so refreshing. It really is, man. She's up there for me immediately, like Greta Gerwig level, just killer. Yeah, maybe it's the first name or maybe it's the tone of the movie, but Celine Siama also comes to mind, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of just subtle tenderness and understanding of this transcendent love or affection or 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 like I don't even know how else to describe it. I would put this in the category of power of the dog as well. That's interesting. Tonally, I think they're less similar than Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Right. But but sure, like that kind of unspoken, almost impossible to put into words kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's also so many great shots here. I if, I'd like to be able to talk about this movie freely. It's been out on video on demand now for a couple weeks. Um, and I think we move into the danger zone unless you have anything else you feel like we need to talk about before spoiling anything. No, let's do it. Danger zone. All right. Welcome to the danger zone. That's the part of the show where we are now free to talk about spoilers for the movie. I haven't made this distinction in a while, but we don't have this segment just to spoil what happens. I'm very not interested in talking about the plot points just to tell you what happens in the movie, listener. Um, more so that I can talk about things freely mm-hmm. um, without having to dance around plot points or whatever. Permission to speak freely, sir. Exactly. Um, that said, I'm not starting that way. There's this great, <laughs> there's this great shot when, and this is early on. So the movie actually started started with um, like a casual observer voicing over a shot of the three of them at the bar, right? Mm-hmm. Being like, what, what's they were like people, people watching, totally, and we are people watching. So it's, I mean, it's a little on the nose. I didn't love that. Like, you probably could have gotten away with not having that voiceover, and just us lingering on those three at the bar, and then mm-hmm. I would have had the same thoughts that they were saying. But fine. Then the movie starts proper when they're kids in Korea, and you know, we, you and I both know what happens. But uh, she moves away. He stays um, in a very sort of cut and dry. She like literally goes bye and leaves. Um, but the shot that they linger on there is her and him diverging down a V-shaped kind of alleyway, but hers goes up. Mm -hmm. His does not. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really nice visual metaphor for kind of, obviously where her life goes, he kind of stays stagnant, stays in Korea, and and isn't satisfied. He goes into the military and then joins the workforce, whatever. She leaves, obviously, and goes to America, but it's also like a really nice visual motif for their internal drive. She's this person who, from his perspective, from Sung's perspective, wants more and bigger and always needs more stuff. Um, and I just think that that shot that flashes back one time, we get that shot later in the movie too, um, when they're parting potentially for the final time, it flashes back to that shot, but it's different because it's like nighttime. It's like almost exactly where they are. It's so good. I just think it's a, oh, it's just such smart filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost Shades of Wes Anderson too. That's... That, Something about, yeah, I mean, it's the symmetry, obviously. The symmetry and the color palette. It was very, Mm -hmm. like, pastel Mm -hmm. and, like, warm. Yeah. So it reminded me of something he would maybe cinematographize. Totally. Yeah, I could could definitely see that. No, I think it might be a word. Damn right. Or at least it should be because it makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um, Great, great shot. Um, There's so many great shots throughout this. So one thing that stood out to me was a scene where they were um, our main – Two main characters, mm-hmm. Nora and Sung, yeah. were standing in line to get on a ferry. That tracking shot? The tracking shot. So good. <laughs> and they were completely shadowed almost to the point of just being silhouettes yep. at one point. And it didn't shy away from that. And it was just so cool. Like there's a lot of these shots that are super far away. 
Like yes. the, I'm thinking of the scene where they're walking through the park under the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay. And they're this big, you know, they're he's, tiny. He's making like a three inch size with his fingers, by the way. Yeah. They're, they're right. tiny and in the distance and just set pieces mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this giant shot of, of a park and it's a stationary shot and you just, yeah. and it moves eventually, but I loved that. It was just different, it's, but I think it was, yes. it was, it fit so well with the vibe of the movie. Specifically, the motion of the camera or the lighting of the characters. Which one are you? Because I got thoughts on both. Well, the first one I mentioned was the lighting of the characters yeah, yeah. and how they just kind of became shadows mm-hmm. and just that—that that was gorgeous yep. with the boat in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that scene in the park, man. The focus was on just the beauty around them and the the. It felt like that scene was full of of potential, just like the the life around mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. all the plants. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause I didn't read it that way. And it was just, and then he, because he was saying all these things about just being like stuck and not good enough right. and all that. Right. And it's interesting like, to me that you took that, well, not that you heard that and were still like, this is an optimistic situation. I was like, well, I think it was so distant and so small and this doesn't matter. Yeah. And like, that's how he feels is like, he's just alone in the world and like, it's yeah. so tiny. Well, I took that as a, as a contrast, right? So well, you're, you're enough. using yeah. this, this unbridled optimism of growth and being mm, surrounded mm-hmm. by life and nature. That's nice. And then him focusing on these problems that are so small, like mm. not making enough money to be yeah. married because he thinks that's what he needs to do, Yeah, you know, and then you're in this just dreamscape of foliage mm-hmm. where you're like, are these are these real problems, you know? Right. Um, there's there's this sort of endemic in certainly like blockbuster movies where the focus. I don't. Sorry, that, I should use a different word. The uh, the attention, the um, I, focus. I don't mean the camera focus. I mean the focus of the viewer should always be on like the faces of people and everything needs to be brightly lit and perfectly and in frame. Totally. Like there's, I saw this video one time, somebody was analyzing the scene in, I think it was Black Widow, where the Natasha Romanoff character is running through like a corridor and there's shit blown up behind her and there's shit blown up in front of her. And like the narrator was talking about how bright fire is. And then they like reanimated the scene. Like, this is what it would look like realistically. There'd be shadows. Her face would not be this brightly lit. And it felt so much more gritty and real. But the the importance, the the emphasis that those studios place in the movies is like making sure their A-list celebrity is, is in the shot and a tracking shot. You're talking about they're silhouetted. It's not about the actors. It's not about our attention. It's about the feeling and it's about the, the, yeah, the story. And it's so cut and like, it's so obviously the important thing to Celine song in this movie is, is conveying the emotions and the story she's trying to get across rather than, our attention as audience members. Yeah. And I think a lot of the movies that we gush about the most that end up making our lists are movies that do that, that have that attention to feeling. Yes. And that they're more focused on eliciting strong emotion and, and a response versus the big explosion yes. or the the perfectly CGI'd uh, buttocks yeah, of sure. anyone, you know. Of any of the superheroes. Of Vin Diesel's forehead, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yeah, this was um, – it was a special movie. I was really happy I watched it. And yeah. I'm super stoked that you liked it as much as I did. So wait, how did you feel when it was over? What were the emotions you felt? God, conflicted. Just because yeah. like I was kind of on that journey with with her, you know? Like it, it kind of at the end, it felt like it shifted big time into her perspective because- Yeah, versus like their perspective. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because it's getting down to it. He's leaving now and she's going to be there left. Mm-hmm. And she's got all these questions about- should she have stayed in Korea? Should she go mm-hmm. back to Korea? 
should her life be different right now? And it's it's this tough pill for her to swallow. And we finally get the weight of this entire experience finally catches up with her and yeah. she just starts sobbing and that, God, you know, because like we don't specifically know. It's not spoon fed to us why she's sobbing, you know. I think it, it conveyed just that overwhelming weight of a, a heavy, deep experience, neither good nor bad, but just heavy and deep and yeah. complicated. Yeah. And I think I was left in the wake of that feeling the complication of it, you know, and just the, man, she really doesn't know how to feel. And like, Arthur's great. Cause he's just hugging her, not being weirded out that she's crying. That was, I mean, that was great. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's so good. There's, I don't know. I'm 31 at the time of this recording. You're 34, five, six, six. Like, <laughs> God, you're old. Yeah. Do you know that clip of uh, Kevin Hart and Don Cheadle? Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, damn. Uh, not how I feel about you. I think you're a great age. Point is, probably in life, I think there's a handful of people, and and, and we haven't even said the phrase in you yet, but it's this idea that gets introduced pretty early on as a Korean I- ideology or or religious spiritual belief, folklore almost, almost, yeah, where there's this sort of external force that transcends a single lifetime and that people are intertwined essentially throughout the course of existence. And regardless of what form that relationship takes on, these people are connected and you might not always even be a person. You might be a tree and a bird as she puts it (laughs) at one point. Um, But it's this not quite reality based belief system that finds its way into the DNA of this movie to the point where it almost feels fantastical, science fiction-esque. It's like, it's so hard to put into words the, the dynamic that is being portrayed, but I think you have a handful of people in life where this feels true. Like there's just certain people that you'll bump into and maybe it's for a day or maybe it's somebody you're married to for your whole life, who knows? But there's something there and it's not always a romantic relationship. Like it could just be a friendship or, or like you meet somebody having a cup of coffee. And I've had a couple in my life and it just feels transcendent. Hmm. And I imagine in the course of a human lifetime, you probably have a couple of these. And what I really appreciated more than anything about this movie is that, is that the three main characters had an understanding of this in a way that allowed them to deal with this very unusual situation, certainly in the context of like an American perception of whatever marriage or friendship and allowed them to deal with just the feeling of it. And I love the John McGarrow's character, um, the Arthur character, like kind of starts off as like, she almost sets him up for failure by being like this video gaming kind of loser. And then throughout the course, he turns into this emotional bedrock for her, not bedrock, emotional rock, I guess. Uh, well, and her for him. And her for him, totally. He, he's got this brilliant heartbreaking line where he's talking about, and it's when they're in bed, and he's saying that she, when she talks in her sleep is kind of the only time he hears her speaking Korean. And he says like he's been trying to learn Korean and he thinks it's because he wants to be able to understand her because he feels like he he she dreams in a language he can't understand. Obviously literally dreaming, but also like dreaming. of She's got this larger than life ambition that he just doesn't have. Not, neither of these men have. They just... They want to be around her. Mm-hmm. They have that in common. They, that's good enough. Yeah. And and just the 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 tone with which the movie establishes 
that kind of, you know, satisfaction and emotional complacency is so fucking hard to nail. And she just does it. <laughs> it's so good. And it's so yeah. nuanced. And, and, and I mean, veer even a little bit to the left or right and you miss that mark. Mm-hmm. And this movie nails it. Yeah. It's so good. It's really a, a fantastic feeling seeing something that might be like the best. Right, because like, yeah. At one point in your life, you saw your favorite movie of all time. Oh, sure. Whether you can quantify that or not, yeah, sure. it has happened. Yeah. And like those moments in life, where you find the best song or the best album or the best movie or the best author, like whether it's the best unanimously to the world or if it's just the best in your heart, right? Discovering that piece of art that takes your breath away and like breaks your heart and puts yeah. it back together. And we can just sit here and gush about for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that's in you and baby, that is such a special feeling. Yeah. And I've said this before, but like that shit makes me want to keep doing this because for, sure. for all of the fast X's and all uh, of, yeah. of the yeah. hearts of stone and all of the, the whatever Tom Cruise bullshit that comes out next yeah. that we cover. Cause there's nothing else that good we out. also dig that we also enjoy. Like, sure. There's these movies that come along. Like, I will never forget Ghost Story. You can't forget Ghost Story. Like, it's, that it's, is, a, it's, no. That would be probably in the top three movies of all time for me. It's got to go in a time capsule for humanity. Yeah. Um, and just the joy of being able to discover that and then share it with each other. Yeah. And then you, the listener. Right. Makes this immensely rewarding. This, and we, you know, we do, this is episode, I think, 314 or 315 or something like we do a lot of these, and, and I know there's people that listen sort of sporadically, and on the off chance one of those people's listening now, I think there's a good chance you haven't seen this movie. Go watch it. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Yep. Um, and please do let us know what you think. Like, as dumb as it seems sometimes, like, these are kind of opportunities for human connection. Like, I do love that about Patreon. Like, we do sometimes talk about movies and beer, too, and, like, it's got this weird sort of... Inyun. Inyun, yeah. Like, I don't know what else to call it. Like, we don't have a fucking word in English yeah. to mean this, but I guess that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know. We need another beer. I'll tell you that. You feel good? <laughs> I, like, I mean, like we could we could talk about this for another six hours. If we we could go watch it and just do like a Mystery Science 3000 I know. Like yeah. thing and just podcast that, but we won't. No. But probably not. I'd love to. Yeah. I would love it. <laughs> um, yeah. You're sticking with your 10. Yes. So am I. Yeah. There's no, there's no wavering from that. This is... On a very short list of perfect tens that I've given out. Yeah. When we come back um, from this brief fun sound, we're talking about the gates of hell. Don't go anywhere. All right. We're back. Beer number two. It's called Darvaza. It's an imperial IPA. It's 9.1%. All of that you already knew if you have a decent memory of the intro of the show. I did not. Great. It's called Darvaza. Johnny, read the description, please, from Untapped. This beer is our interpretation of an aggressive double IPA. We started with a dry base with hints of malt and bittered to 90 IBU. We then dry hopped it with three pounds per barrel of Idaho 7 and Citra hops. Darvaza is a very aromatic, is very aromatic on the nose with citrus and dank scents and finishes dry and bitter. So I started us off with a beer that I thought you wouldn't like. And I was going to end the show with this. It's already saying a lot of stuff you're into, like aggressive double IPA, 90 IBUs, dry hopped, right? This is stuff you're into. I like on paper. It's checking out. Um, as I take it away from you, actually, I won't even yet. Please describe the can. What are we looking at? All right. So we have kind of um same general layout as the first one, except um, this one's 
not all white and silver and, and gray. This uh-huh. is black on the bottom half. We've got this sort of what does it remind you of? swirling lava. Ooh, pretty good. Type amalgam of um, what looks to be possibly like oil painting swirls and okay. like an abstract. We've got lots of darks, purples, yellows with some oranges and reds. And it definitely looks fire, fiery. You're um, right on point. You're doing yeah, great. Very fiery, very lava adjacent, very... Um, it does look like liquid. Like lava yep. is it's swirling and angry and uh it looks like lava flowing over rocks. That's what I take away. All right, let me borrow that. So have you ever heard the word Darvaza before, by chance? It's even more niche. Darvaza. I, I hardly know a Okay. A Brooklyn sort of stand up comedian here. I have no idea. Darvaza is a village in uh Turmec- Tur- Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan, thank you. Um for those that don't Obviously. know, that is on the northern border of like Iran and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Not a super popular tourist location, except for one thing. Um, it's it's anyways, just outside the village of Darvaza proper is this crater, which mm-hmm. is officially known as the Shining of Karakum. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Are now. you serious? Yeah, it's been burning for okay, so no, long. Let me do my thing. Okay. But more commonly, it's known <laughs> as the Gates of Hell. Don't question me I, and then get mad when I know. So, so th- there's some there's some <laughs> I'm gonna stick with it. Nobody knows about this. Okay. <laughs> Please tell me more. So just uh, most of the info on the internet suggests that this crater that formed um, happened in the 1960s due to like a drilling mishap. Uh, it, it, it turned into this crater was like 200 feet wide. It's like between 200 and 230. I'm not sure. Um, and almost 100 feet deep. Um, and it began leaking this abundance of natural gas. This was a problem. So that in an attempt to limit the expulsion of that potentially poisonous gas to the area, the engineers of the project or whatever of the area decided it was best to try to just burn it off. So in like 1971, they lit it on fire <laughs> and they thought it would burn out in a few days. You should know that Turkmenistan is like the sixth largest natural gas reserve in the world. Um, they don't have a lot. They have like three point something percent. Um, Russia, Iran, Qatar, they have like the top three. It's like 54 and a half percent, most of it. But Turkmenistan has a lot. Um, so they thought it would burn out a couple days. And it didn't. It's still burning. <laughs> it's been 50-something years, and this natural gas crater volcano is just on fire. They've built yurts around it. There's a little porta potty People can go see it. Um, There's a porta potty It might be like, I don't know what it is, but like there, you can go. It's like a tourist spot. It's really hard to get to. And again, it's, you know, it's near Iran and Afghanistan. If you're American, not a great part of the world to be in probably. Not Who where knows? we usually go for summer vacation. This became sure. such a big thing that in 2013 um, or 2014, National Geographic sponsored this exploration um, for this dude <laughs> to try to get to the the bottom of the crater. His name was um, uh, George Cornuis, Cur- uh, It's hard to say. I'm not sure. I'm going to say Coronis. Um, and they wanted to get soil samples essentially to see if like any type of life could survive in this harsh environment on the planet. Cause like maybe if there was something living here, they could be living uh, other places on earth that we don't know about or like on another planet, who knows? Um, the whole thing was filmed. It was put on a national geographic series called die trying, <laughs> which aired in a uh, summer of 2014. He did not die trying as far as I could tell, okay, good. but that's what they called the show. It was as like, far as you can tell, do we have confirmation of that? No, but it was like, <laughs> like that guy was on it. The dude that climbed, um, uh, Alex handled or whatever, who climbed, um, yeah. In, in Yosemite, whatever mm-hmm. the mountains called, uh, El Cap, El Capitan. Like that was what was on that show. So this guy had a whole suit made of like, 
crazy Kevlar and like they suspended him on like a tightrope over the thing and he lowered himself down and whatever. And he went into the gates of hell. That's so awesome. And that's what this beer is named after, dude. That's like the most intense. Are you kidding me? That's so cool. Just like a natural gas, high pressure burning man-made crater that's been burning for 50 years. Yeah. It's like the longest underground fire in history. Yes. This beer better be pretty hardcore is all I'm saying. Like that's wild. Yeah. I agree. Like, I didn't know about this before today, but you did? Mm -hmm. How do you know about that? The internet. Well, I mean, I have the internet as well, but like- We followed vastly different subreddits. I know. I don't follow any reddits. That's the- Or subreddits. Yeah. Well, Darvaza. That's the the village, the Darvaza crater, gates of hell. I actually think I saw that on Nature is Metal. Cool. That would make total sense. Yeah. But I'm really stoked that you got this exactly right based on the can art. You were like, yeah, fire, lava. What else would it be? You're right. Darvaza. So, as a reminder, prior to the tangent- Double IPA. You sp- did you? Did you, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to smell it that intensely, man. I know it's an intense beer. I you just can snorted just smell some it of normal. Nine point one percent. Well, it's tingly. West Coast. So here we are. Um, I'm hoping it's really good. Again, this one doesn't have a date either. Um, but I think the other one wasn't old, so maybe this one won't be either. Johnny, what is your initial impression of this beer? Um, it might have been good. At one point? At one point. Shoot. Uh, it's definitely fallen off. The hops are not there. It is um, giving way to kind of a malty backbone with kind of a, a wet cardboardy overall vibe. Oh, I got that on the nose. Yeah. For sure. Me too. Yeah, you got it in the nose, yeah. my man. Um, <clears throat> which is the one of the first indicators that a that an IPA or uh, any hopped beer is old. That is the first Damn flavor profile change in the sign of age, and yeah, it it is like um like a, a wet cardboard box that gets thrown into the the gates of hell. That's what I'm tasting. Well played. I am not having it anymore. That was rough. It's um, not, it's, it's very old. There's a wet grass aspect to this too. Yeah. Um, for I would I mean pretty confidently I would chalk that up to this beer being old or improperly stored or whatever. Um, but as we always do when this happens. We got to rate what we're drinking. So I'm, uh, I guess I'm ready to rate it. Uh, do you have anything? Should we talk about it? Yeah, else? give it another taste. I think you got to right. give it a fair shake. That's I, mean, a, I guess that's a good point. You're right. Yeah, we can't just say, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, we could. The show would be over immediately. Um, we have to, you know, you're the guy that aged a Pliny in a window for a year and made me drink it. So I made myself drink it as well. Don't leave me out of that horrible experience. Made us drink it. Yeah. This um, is not as bad as that. That's true. It is not as bad as that. We couldn't like I said, drink that. <laughs> this has notes of a beer that was really killer when it was fresh. What are those notes? Because I don't know that I'm getting them. There is a nice cleanness right up front before that stuff takes over. It's brief, but it's there. And it's an indicator of what this beer was like fresh. So I get an immediate hoppy note, a sharpness that Quickly gives way to that muddled, musty, yucky, cardboardy grossness. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's there for a moment, which would lend hope that this beer maybe was worthwhile when it was fresh. This beer is either, I don't know, 12 months old or it's gotten hot a couple times and then cooled off again. And it could be both. Or it was hot when you bought it. Right. Well, yeah. It wasn't hot though. Like, But, you know, I think there's a difference in intensity if you let a beer get hot versus room temp incorrect are you kidding yeah yeah uh, beer is a perishable product uh you know it's it's okay i'm just telling you know like i've left pizza out overnight on the counter i did it this weekend and then i ate it but yeah. i would never do that if i left it in the car in the sun and tried to eat it again right but 
okay, let's let's say some refrigerators haven't been working properly for two weeks. Would you leave a pizza on the counter for two weeks and then eat it? No. Okay. They're different. Because the a, the shelf life of pizza is okay, not think, six okay. months. Think about milk. Okay. Milk has to be refrigerated. Milk has to be refrigerated. It is a perishable product. But it's different. Beer is a perishable product. It is different. It's it will different. spoil in different ways. It won't curdle. But yeah. it is still, by definition, a perishable product. But I think the, the shelf life, even at room temp, is longer on beer than it is for milk. Sure. Right? It won't go rancid. No, like it's like milk will make you sick. If like, would you, if I left a, a gallon of milk and a Coors Light on a table for two weeks and I said, pick one to drink, yeah. which one are you drinking? Mm-hmm. The Coors Light. No, I think the milk. The indication I'm going for here is at room temperature, you are going to get off flavors way faster than just time. Like, Good point. That's true. Buy a, That's a true. power of at least two. Sure. Like it's it's happening, man. So unless you're dealing with a stout doesn't even have to be barrel aged. I have left yeah. just a uh, like an old Rasputin on my counter for a month and, and then drank, and then drank it. That was good. Sealed, sure, of course. But yes, uh, there is uh, much more long term viability in a dark beer. But anything that's lighter needs to be stored between thirty eight and forty four ish degrees. I think is a very safe bet. You want your beer around forty degrees. Damn. Sta- I, th- I thought like common knowledge was, was cellar temp was like six or fifty five. Cellars are for wine. Well, what the hell have I been told? Uh, you can cellar temp stouts and preserve them. I guess that's it. But yeah. if you cellar temp stouts that are adjunct, those adjuncts are going to fall off like probably twice as fast. That's incredible. So, all right, uh, it's it's beer is a living thing. It is a product that needs to be kept. All right, well, cold. I got to show you a closet downstairs before you leave. I have beer that's... in my basement. Yeah, and... your basement's underground. It's a little bit. I mean, it's not as cold as a fridge, but true. So you're just going to get rid of those. Some of them aren't mine. Some of them are. I have like a whole case of prairies that- Which ones? A bunch of bombs, a bunch of fine. sours. Those are Those are great. They'll not probably the, be good. The, the sours might be I'll okay. bring them over sometime. All right. Sounds fun. good. I've tried this again, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it anymore. No. I'm not quite picking up what you're putting down in terms of the positive angles on this. I just am mostly- get, Maybe a little bit of clean mouthfeel mm-hmm. straight away. You can tell maybe. it was a well-made beer at one point. That's, that's my takeaway. That's my opinion- I think at one point this was a well-made beer. This, I feel, way stronger than the first beer that the set and setting yes. of the circumstance of it getting from the brewery to me were negatively um, – it negatively impacted the drinking experience. Oh, I so, completely agree. Um, you can just tell. This beer is either A, too old – well, being at that temperature will make the aging process. Like even if this yes. was – Barely within code. Right. It's like you could. It's it's like dog years. Yeah, beer years. Dog yeah. beers. Yeah, dog beers. Yes, it's yeah. Warm. Give me a warm room temp day or two. Yeah, and then throw it away. Yeah. So, um, it feels unfair to this beer to rate it with what we've been given, but sure. that's what we're gonna do. Yes, it's on the brewery to make sure their beer is handled properly. Yes, so. <sighs> It's a rough, rough drinking experience. It is a 2.2. Yeah, I went back for a second drink, which I would never do for a one. So this is a two for me as well. I tried it again just to be thorough at your behest. Um, Yeah, very happy not to try that ever again, uh, unless we get a new one, in which case, sign me up. I'd love to try it again. But I meant um, specifically this one. Yeah, Diamond Springs doesn't seem that far away. I almost looked it up. I have no idea where It's that not. Is. It's right outside Sacramento. I want to say it's up towards uh, like Calistoga, kind of like 
Napa area, possibly. I feel like we say stuff like this and then we're often wrong. But no, I know, I know one of the guys that sells their stuff and I know it's it's local. They're like just outside Sacramento. Uh, let me just be very specific so we know for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it is Diamond Springs, California. If you're from there, shout out. So it's um, if you make a triangle, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's outside of Sacramento. It's uh, it's to the east of Sacramento by an indeterminate amount because I'm zooming on the map and it keeps changing. It's the same distance Sacramento is to Folsom, Folsom to Diamond Springs. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Folsom's not that far. No. It's maybe like 45. Not even. No. Yeah. 20. If that. I'll keep guessing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Either way, Sacramento area adjacent. Yes. Um, maybe I'll I'll see about getting my hands on one of these. More more specifically, this one. I'm See? going that way in October. I'm playing a winery in Placerville. It's only next month, bro. Yeah. I'll 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 try to stop by. I'll do we can maybe we can reach out via Instagram. Reach out to the brewery. How about you do that? Because you have the Instagram. I will. Info. Uh, and then you arrange for the pickup of the new goods and I'll yeah. pick them up. Done. All right. Well, that's Darvaza for us. Uh, from Solid Ground Brewing. Beer name, theme, great. 10. So good. Beer, not as good. Booty. Also not your fault. Not your fault. Here comes Hot and Bother. Don't go anywhere. Hot and Welcome to Hot and Bothered. If you've never joined us for this portion of the show, it's where we catch up and talk about things that sometimes are about streaming or movies or uh, beers or cocktails or acronyms. We try to keep it. Pop culture-y. I tried. Yeah, I tried to as well. In the lexicon of the youth. Yeah, which is why I have nothing to talk about this week. I've not watched anything new. I um, I have not drank anything new necessarily. So I'm going to lay it at your feet, man. That's it. Nothing. I've been working a lot. Was in okay. Reno with the band. Um, So no, like personal stuff, but nothing that really pertains to our listeners. So, Fair enough. What you got? Um, Well, uh, a common thread. I'll start with Suits because we were both kind of watching it. I guess I'm kind of surprised you're not doing the same thing you do with most shows where you intro it and then you say, I'll report back when it's all done. You're like giving me like incremental updates. Mainly I'm bringing it up because I want to know where you're at. Not, not, I haven't really watched any. I, mean, more. I think I got through season one. Okay. Yeah. Have you met uh, David Hardman? N uh, no. Okay. Is that an actor's name? No, that's Pierce Hardman. Oh, no, but season one ended where like he's coming back because his wife died or something. Yeah. So that's no. Gets season two gets very good. Oh, good. He is awful. Did I send you that TikTok about like every episode yeah. of the Suits? I got an idea. Which is like what I did on the show last week or yeah. the week before. But I was like, I felt very vindicated about it. Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. Donna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got an idea. And I love the every time they say, God damn it, drinking oh, it's game. so good. Yeah. Yeah. A suits drinking game would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd started doing it just in my own head. Sure. You're like, I'm not even, I was playing a game. I was just drinking. I was just like, God damn it. It coincided that every time they said it, I happened to be drinking. Yeah. Sure. It's very strange. Now we had a long weekend and some plans fell through. I was supposed to go to a baseball game and that didn't work out. So we ended up doing a lot of staying at home and saving money. Nice. Uh, watched a ton of suits, uh, watched this movie over the weekend, yeah. which was great. Um, but the big thing that I want to talk about uh, is Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate? Yes. B-A-L-D-U-R? Yes. That's a demon? Uh, that is a realm in oh, Dungeons realm. and Dragons. Oh, good. Uh, where a franchise, of, do it. a franchise of video games are based on. Okay. Dungeon, uh, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, PC games, I want to say they remastered them for consoles at some point. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 came out okay. as kind of a retort to Diablo 4. I see. I was very excited. Also, earlier you meant to say the word distinction, mm. but you said something else. What you meant to say is the distinction I'm trying to make. 
but you said something else. Did I say the distraction? Nope. You said something that started with an I, and I can't remember it right now. The instinction? Nope. It was it had nothing to do with what you were trying to say, <laughs> but you were on such a roll, I didn't want to say it. Well, now I don't remember. Neither do I. It's going to haunt my Here dreams. Here we go. <laughs> uh, anyways, this game. Yep. I was super hyped. It's been on my radar for like six months. Okay. Um, and I will ask you a question. Have you ever had misplaced nostalgia? I have. The word is intention. I have had that. Okay. Do you want to know more? I don't even remember when I said what I said. But I'm hoping somebody listening will. Like, okay. I'm hoping somebody who's listening was like, did you say intention? It yes. meant distinction. And and now I've closed that loop for them forever. Okay. You're welcome, I'm, listener. I'm glad you did that. I've had, yes, I've had misplaced nostalgia. Okay. Tell me about it. Can you be more specific? When you misremember church. Okay. Catholic school. Perfect. Uh, good Charlotte, for example. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Blue Moon. Okay. Sp- Let's narrow it down to something that you thought you loved from childhood and then a sequel came out or a remake of it and then you either watched it, played it. Sure. Like, right? Something you remembered or you thought you remembered fondly. Sure. Church. Then the movie The Exorcist. I saw that. Right. Didn't love that as much. No. The Two Popes. Good movie, actually. Yeah, I'm sure, though. Well, I think the better thing is like just revisiting the original rather Mm -hmm. than a remake. Did that. Okay. Turns out mm-hmm. I never played Baldur's Gate 1 or 2. Oh. That's interesting from that angle. Yeah. I played Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance mm. 1 and 2. I see. Which were made by a completely different company. Yeah, yeah. That were in the same universe, but were not similar to Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 at all. So my entire six months of looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3 was entirely misplaced. That's got to be frustrating. Immensely. So okay. Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, the okay. ones that I played, yeah, yeah. are essentially like Diablo 3 clones, but okay. they were like the pre- predecessors. So they were kind of rudimentary versions of like Diablo 3, very hack and slash, uh-huh. dungeon crawler, uh-huh. action-based. Button mashy. Button mashy. Yeah, yeah. Fun. Dark Alliance 2, one of my favorite like PlayStation 2 games. Awesome. Right? Um how about Baldur's Gate 3, which you have no affiliation with? Yep. What was that like? So Baldur's Gate 3 is essentially a console version of playing a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Like Dungeons & Dragons. Of Dungeons. Not like. Of. That's what it is. Dungeons sure. & Dragons. It is entirely turn-based. But with none of the tactility of like actually playing the game. You're just like pressing the button to yep. roll the dice. To roll the dice. That sucks. Um, and it's all turn-based. So it's my turn. So I get to pick how far to move, and if I move too far, are I don't. these real people playing? What do you are mean? Are you playing against other players? No, it's like the I game. I think there is like an online version, but you're that pl- could be fun. You're playing through the campaign like as a character that you just built. Okay, and like it's so turn based, it's so slow. Yeah, you're like you I fast forward through there. I have an energy bar, and I can move this far, and it's maybe far enough to attack this person, but oh, guess what? It's not. You have to either move a little bit further and still not attack them. So how and then, far did you get into this game? About an hour and a half. Oh, that's not very far, I guess. You were like, when's the game going to start? Yeah. And you're like, it's never I was like, starting. I, was, I, looked, I had to look it up. I'm like, fuck. My memory. <laughs> this is the game. I should have just bought the remaster of Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah. Dark Alliance. Yeah. Yeah. Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2. 2. Yeah. yeah. 
Why would they call it Baldur's Gate? Why don't they just call it Dark Alliance? Well, if you're the shittier, if you're the shittier, boring game, the reason you call that is to get suckers like you to buy it. Yeah. Can you get your money back? No. Then they win. It was a Dude, digital digital pre-order. They beat you. I paid ten. Oh, yeah, you pre-ordered it. I paid ten <laughs> bucks more so I could get oh. access to it over the three-day weekend. You buffoon. Yeah. So misplaced uh, nostalgia with a heavy dose of ignorance and splash of. Uh, not doing enough research and that's, led to me just completely wasting it's not quite misplaced nostalgia like misplaced nostalgia is me loving the band good charlotte as a kid going back and listening as an adult not liking the band what you're describing is liking good charlotte as a kid going back and then nowadays listening to blink 182 hating it Thinking you bought the new Good Charlotte album. That's fair. I They're got, not. It's I not honey dicked. I got bait and switched. You, yeah. You. It's a. It was a. It was a honey pot for sure. Mm -hmm. You just made a mistake. Yeah. You can't blame that on nostalgia or any sort of. <laughs> you can't get me on your side. For that. Like, you ever feel this? I'm like, no, I don't. You've fucked up. Mistakes were made. Yeah, that's okay. I fucked up bad. Yeah. So I'm super bummed on this brand new game I just bought. That yeah, like hasn't even come out wide release yet. Well, maybe those subreddits you're talking about will be interested to hear about this. Yeah. Start a thread. No, I would never bring this to Reddit. I think you'd get eaten alive. Yeah. Yeah. Did well, you, are you an idiot if you'd never played games no, 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 before? It's, it's misplaced nostalgia. Yeah, man. No, it was a mistake. It's not it's, me. It's my brain. That's why I'm bringing it here and not Reddit. Also, mm. on a long enough time frame, I'm not just going to waste $80. I'm going to try- $80? Yeah. To play a board game with a video game controller? Yeah. You nincompoop. Yeah. Well, yeah. no one ever said you're perfect. Mistakes. Do you have anything redeeming you want to talk about in this segment? No. Shoot. Well, as usual, <laughs> that was my weekend. Dude. The show wouldn't be what it is without support of Bailey Minardi. We closing this thing up. Yeah. Thanks to everybody on Patreon. Go check out the handlebar <laughs> if you haven't been to their happy hour two to six. Um, uh, that's Johnny Summers. God bless his soul. Cheers. I'm, I'm Max Minardi. I'm going to drink the rest <laughs> of this terrible beer. Tune in next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.